Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So I have with me this morning this old rotary phone, which I realize for some of our younger people in here, this is a completely foreign object. But you know, when you have a church building that's been around as long as this one has, you're bound to find some treasures hidden away in it. And so this rotary phone has been sitting in a closet just behind the sanctuary here. And uh, I'm pretty sure that this phone was still being used when my dad was the pastor here back in the 80s. Now, as we think about phones of the past like this one, right, our, our, our communication was really limited to the length of this cord, right? If your phone was in the kitchen, then you had to have your conversations with others in your kitchen, if your phone was in your, your living room, then you had those conversations in your living room. But, but our, phone, our, our conversations, our communication with others was really limited to the length of that cord. Now, when I was a teenager, I had a car phone. Now, it's not what you were thinking, right? It's not a phone that was in my car. We weren't that rich, all right? I had a phone in my bedroom that was in the shape of a car. <laughs> yeah. But I like to tell all my, all my friends at school that I had a car phone. <laughs> so, but just like any other phone, my, my car phone was attached to the wall in my bedroom with a cord. And so my communication with my friends was limited to the length of that cord. And because I wanted a little more freedom as I talked to my friends in my bedroom, I, I went to Walmart and I bought myself a longer cord, right? Because our communication with others was limited to the length of that cord. Now let's contrast this with the phones that we have today, right? With cell phones and smartphones, really we have a little more freedom when it comes to, really a lot more freedom when it comes to our communication. We're able to take these phones with us wherever we go and, and chances are whether you carry your phone in your pocket or whether you carry it in your purse, you have your smartphone with you in this place this morning, right? No longer is our communication limited to the length of a cord. Rather, we're able to have conversations with others wherever we might find ourselves. And we can do it in multiple ways now, right? Text message, FaceTime, a phone call. We're able to communicate with others wherever we might find ourselves, so this morning, we're launching into this new series titled Conversations, and as we go through this series each week, it's just a four-part series, so over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. And, and as we think about prayer, I want to start by asking a simple question. What does your prayer life look like? What does your prayer life look like? And you can be honest, because this is just between you and God, right? What does your prayer life look like? How often would you say that, that you pray? Would you say that your prayers are limited to mealtimes or bedtimes? Would you say that, that maybe it's a, a struggle to pray? 
Maybe you would say you find it difficult to find the right words to pray at times. What does your prayer life look like? And I think one of the one of the things that prevents us from praying more or excelling more in our prayer life is that we've simply overcomplicated prayer. We've tried to make it something more than, than it really needs to be. So let me just give you a simple definition for prayer, and I believe that I've given you this definition before. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. And I think this is a good reminder for us because for the most part, we know how to have conversations with other people, right? We know how to talk to other people. Now, for our introverts in here, you may say that, that it's a little more challenging to have those conversations with other people than, than our extroverts might, right? Some of our extroverts, it's hard to get them out of a conversation, right? They like to stay in conversation. But regardless, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, for the most part... We know how to talk with others. We know how to have conversations with others, which is good news for us because if we know how to talk to other people, then we know how to talk to God. If you know how to have a conversation, then you can know how to pray. So at one of Billy Graham's evangelistic crusades, after giving the invitation and having a, a crowd of people respond, he asked the crowd that was standing there before the stage, do you know how to pray? And after asking that question, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I love you. And then he looked back at the people and he said, that's how you pray. It really is that simple. It, it doesn't have to be complicated. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 32 through 42 today. Mark chapter 13, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. Now, as we think back to this rotary phone, and as we think back to our smartphones, as we think about prayer, prayer is much more like having a smartphone than having a rotary phone, right? Because as we think about praying, our prayers are not limited to one location, right? We are not limited to only praying in this church building or only praying in our houses. Rather, because God is everywhere, we can pray anywhere. Because God is everywhere, we can pray anywhere. You're never in the wrong place to pray. That's right. And so this morning, we're going to look at one of Jesus' prayer in Mark chapter 14. Now, as we look at this, this is following the Lord's Supper. Just as we have already taken the Lord's Supper, Jesus, at this moment, at the time that we're going to look at Jesus praying, Jesus has already had the Lord's Supper, that last supper that he shared with his disciples during Passover. And he also, as they shared that supper, he also shared with the disciples that, that he was going to be betrayed and that he was going to be denied. And so, in a way, this supper was, was a marker that things were beginning to progress towards the cross. So, Easter Sunday is April 9th this year. And, and as we think about that that. That time of remembering 
Christ's sacrifice on that cross and then the glorious celebration of his, his resurrection, in, in many ways, we are in the days leading up to that celebration. We are in the days leading up to remembering the cross. This is a time for us to prepare our hearts for that celebration. At Christmas time, we have the season of Advent, and we take several weeks leading up to Christmas to prepare our hearts for the celebration of Christ coming into this world all those years ago. And so I would encourage you, even now, begin preparing your heart for the celebration of Easter. Begin preparing your heart to remember Christ's sacrifice for us and for his, his resurrection. So this supper that Jesus shared with his disciples, this was a marker that things were beginning to progress towards the cross. And so Jesus is very aware of what he's about to endure. And what he's about to endure is not going to be a pleasant experience. In fact, in it, what we're going to see in verses 33 and 34 as we read our passage, we're going to see that Jesus was distressed, troubled, and deeply grieved. That he was distressed, troubled, and, and deeply grieved. Jesus knew what lay ahead of him. He knew the lashes that he was going to take on his back. He knew the, the crown of thorns that was going to be shoved down into his head. He knew the nails that were going to be driven into his hands and his feet. He knew the physical agony that his earthly body was going to endure, and he was distressed, troubled, and deeply grieved. But I want you to know, even more than simply enduring the physical, fleshly pain of the cross, Jesus knew that he was going to endure something far worse. He was going to endure his father's wrath being poured out onto him as he hung there on that cross. In fact, we're going to see Jesus use a word when he prays. He uses the word cup saying, take this cup away from me. Well, if we look to Old Testament passages, we see that many times that word cup is used in reference to God's wrath being poured out. We see this in Psalm 75, Isaiah 51, and Jeremiah 25. So while Jesus quite certainly knew the fleshly pain that he was going to endure, he also knew that the, the pain that he was going to experience as his father's wrath was poured out onto him for the sins of mankind. He was going to experience the fullness of his father's wrath. Now, some might ask, well, why did Jesus have to experience the father's wrath? Why did the father have to pour out his wrath onto the son? So I want you to hear me this morning. Jesus endured the father's wrath that we might experience the Father's mercy. Jesus endured the Father's wrath that we might experience the Father's mercy. You see, Scripture tells us that we've all sinned, every single one of us. And because God is holy and because he is just, sin requires to be dealt with. And the way that God has established from the beginning of time to deal with sin is through death. Death is what you and I deserve for our sin. But rather than us experiencing the Father's wrath, rather than us experiencing this death, Jesus went to the cross in God's great love for us. 
Jesus went to the cross to experience the Father's wrath that we might experience the Father's mercy. Amen. You know, we don't deserve the righteousness. We don't deserve the freedom. We don't deserve the forgiveness. Ultimately, we don't deserve the eternal life that we receive in Christ, right? All of these things are things that He deserves, he deserves everything great and good. We deserve wrath. But Jesus took what you and I deserve upon himself that we might take upon ourselves what he deserves. And so he bestows upon us because of his sacrifice, we get to experience the Father's mercy because he endured the Father's wrath. And so let me just pause and ask you this morning, have you experienced the Father's mercy through the sacrifice of the Son? Has there been a time in your life that you recognize the sin that's in your life that deserves the wrath of God to be poured out on it? And recognizing your sin, you've turned to God and you've cried out to Him through Jesus Christ, Lord, would you save me? Lord, would you forgive me? Have you submitted to Jesus Christ as your Lord? And my prayer is that if you've never done that, that today would be the day, that today you would recognize your sin and that you would take that sin to the Father through Jesus Christ, that you might experience the Father's mercy through the sacrifice of the Son. So... Jesus is distressed, he, he's troubled, he's deeply grieved, and I want you to see where Jesus turned in his time of trouble. Where did he turn in his, in his distress? Where did he turn in his heart-wrenching agony leading up to the cross? He turned to Facebook and he posted about it. No. He turned to his father and he prayed about it. He turned to his father and he prayed about it. And I think this is an important note for us because while we may not endure the agony of the cross, we certainly endure hardships of our own in this life. We might have a sick family member. We might have, have troubles in our job. We might have problems in our marriage. We each deal with hardships in our life. And so the question is, when, when we face these hardships, when we go through troubles, the question is, where are you turning in those times of trouble? Where are you turning in those times of trouble? And I think the temptation can be for us at times to pull away, to hide from God. In times of troubles, to pull away from, from the very God that loves us, from the very God that, that can get us through it, and, and maybe even to, to pull away from His church. But I would encourage you, in times of trouble, don't pull away, lean in. Don't pull back, lean in. If you were here last week, then, then you remember that our guest speaker, Zach Hudson, he shared how, how it was God and, and his church family that got him through some of the darkest times that, that they experienced in their life through the loss of their daughter, Anna. A very difficult time, but it, it was by leaning in to God, it was by leaning into his church family that they found the love and the support that they needed to get through the darkest time in their life. So I would encourage you, if you're going through a struggle today, 
And maybe it's not just today. Maybe you've been going through a struggle for a while. If you're going through a struggle, don't pull back. Lean in. Lean into the God that loves you. Lean into the, the church family that God has provided for you. The best way that we can begin leaning into God is through prayer. It's not the only way, but it's the best way that we can begin. We can begin talking to God about it. We can begin having a conversation with God about the things that we are going through. As Jesus was distressed, as Jesus was troubled, as Jesus was deeply grieved, he turned to his Father and he began to pray. He began to talk to God. And he prayed in a garden. We're going to see that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, because God is everywhere, we can pray anywhere. So Jesus is in a garden as he begins to pray. So let's read this passage right now. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. It says, Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Now, as we begin looking at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting what we see there in verse 39. In verse 39, it says, Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. I want you to catch that. Jesus prayed a second time, and he prayed the same thing. And as we continue in this passage, right, it implies that Jesus really prayed a third time saying the same thing. And so what we see here is that as Jesus is troubled, as Jesus is distressed, as he's deeply grieved, he prays the same thing over and over and over again. In other words, Jesus prayed this prayer to the Father, but, but man, he was still troubled by what he was about to endure. And so he went to the Father again, and he prayed to the Father again, but he was still troubled. And so he went to the Father again, and he prayed to the Father again. He kept going back to the Father, taking all that he was experiencing, taking all of his feelings, and he kept going back to the Father, just laying it before the Father over and over again. So let me pause right here and give this important reminder. It's okay to pray the same thing over and over again. That's right. It's okay to pray the same thing over and over again. Maybe there's something that's troubling you. 
Maybe you are distressed. Maybe you are deeply grieved by something. Let me tell you, take it to the Lord and talk to him about it. Pray about it. Have a conversation with God about it. And if after that prayer you're still troubled about it, you're still deeply grieved, you're still distressed, take it to the Lord in prayer again and keep talking to him about it. And if you're still troubled, take it to him again and take it to him again and again. For as long as it's weighing on you, let me tell you, God wants you to talk to him about it. He wants you to have these conversations with him about these things. Some may say, well, listen, if you're praying about the same thing over and over again, then you must not have faith because you've already prayed about it one time. And so do you have faith that God's going to do it or not? Listen, we don't pray over and over again about the same thing because we don't have faith. We pray over and over and over again because we do have faith in our God. And we trust that he is the only one that can answer our prayers. He's the one that we need to be talking to. And so we can go to God over and over again because we do trust him and because we do have faith in him. That's right. So Jesus prayed the same thing over and over again. And so as we recognize our call to pray and as, as we begin this series on prayer this morning, there's just two things that I want us to learn this morning as we look at Jesus' prayer here in the garden. First, when we pray, we don't have to use fancy or formal words. When we pray, we don't have to use fancy or formal words. Let's look at how Jesus opened up this prayer in verse 36. He says, Abba, Father... Nothing fancy about those words, nothing formal about those words. We see two words there, Abba and Father. Now, some have su suggested that that word Abba is a, a more intimate word, but really the word Abba is Aramaic for Father, and then the word that we already see that's translated there as Father is the Greek word for Father. So what we see Jesus doing as he's going and crying out to God in the garden, he's saying, Father, Father. Now, that word father, whether we're talking about Aramaic or whether we're talking about it in Greek, that word father is not a formal word. It's not a fancy word. It is a relational word. That's right. It's a word that we use with someone that we have a relationship with. And so, as Jesus goes to the Father to pray, he doesn't use fancy words. He doesn't use formal words. He uses this relational word. He simply begins talking to his Father that he has this relationship with. Now, there are some in this world, some, some religions in this world, that would suggest that, that we have to use a more fancy or formal word, that, that we can't be so informal with God, that, that the word Father is not enough to address God. In fact, in 2004, shortly after Sarah and I got married, I worked with a gentleman that was of a different religion, and... In his religion, he, he believed that because, because Scripture tells us the name for God, Yahweh or Jehovah, that that's the name that we need to use when we address God, that we shouldn't talk to him and say Father to him, but we should say Jehovah. And so to make his point, he knew that I was a Christian. To make his point to me, he said, well, if I was going to talk to your dad... What would I call him? What's your father's name? I said, well, his name is Robert. He said, well, what would I call him? And I said, well, you would probably call him Mr. Skinner or Robert. And he said, then don't you think when we talk to God that we should call him by his name? And so I responded. I said, well, you would call him 
Robert or Mr. Skinner because you don't have a relationship with him. But I have a relationship with my dad. So when I go to him, I don't go to him and talk to him as just some random person. I go to him as his child. And as his child, I am able to call him dad. In the same way, when we talk to God, if we have given our life to Christ, we don't go to God as some random person. We go to God as his child. That's right. And we are able to address him as a child would. We are invited through Jesus Christ to call him Father. So I want you to hear me today. If you've given your life to Christ, you are a child of God. If you've given your life, you are a child of God. And because you are a child of God then you are invited to approach God just as a child would. No matter how old, no matter how young you are, you are invited to approach God just as a child would and to address God as a child addresses their father. So we don't have to use fancy or formal words. We can use a relational word with God. Second and finally, when we pray, we can be open and honest with God. We can be open and honest with God. Let's read verse 26 again, or 36 again. Jesus prayed, All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. When we pray, we can be open and honest with God. I want you to see Jesus' freedom here as he talks to his father. Jesus, knowing what he's about to endure, not only the physical agony that he's going to endure, but, but knowing that he's going to endure the father's wrath, he goes to God, and he just lays it all out there before his father. He says, if there's any way for this not to happen, then let it be. But not what I will, what you will. Let me ask, have you ever felt scared to share your thoughts or feelings with someone. You know, sometimes children are scared to tell their parents their thoughts and their feelings. Sometimes in our marriages, we're scared to share our thoughts and our feelings with our spouses. In our jobs, we may be scared to, to share our thoughts and our feelings with our bosses. But I want you to know, Whatever we might be feeling, you don't have to be afraid to share it with God. That's right. You don't have to be afraid to share it with God. Whatever it might be, you can share it with God. You can be open and honest with God. Listen, we can be open and honest with God because here's the deal. God already knows what we're thinking and feeling anyways. That's right. David recognizes this in the Psalms. It's like, where can I go to hide from you? God already knows what we're thinking and feeling anyways, and his desire is for us to share those open and honest feelings with him. So I have a friend that uh, was actually killed in action uh, while serving in Iraq, and I grew up with him. And not only did we go to school together, but we also went to church together. And following his death, his mom wrote a book titled Tattered Not Torn. And in this book, she just talks about her open and honest feelings that she shares with God. Sometimes, sometimes when she was praying, she, she, she was hurting. Sometimes when she was praying, man, she was angry. Sometimes when she was praying, she was 
She was hopeless and helpless. But whatever she was feeling, she would just take those, these open and honest feelings and just lay them before the Lord. I want you to know that God is big enough to handle our honesty. God is big enough to handle our honesty. The Father was not caught off guard when Jesus began to pray this prayer. The Father was not caught off guard when, when Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. And the Father is not going to be caught off guard by your open and honest feelings either. God is big enough to handle our honesty. But I don't want to skip over how Jesus ended that prayer. He said, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew that while he didn't have to be fancy or formal, while he could be open and honest with his Father, he knew that at the end of the day, his Father's plan was better than his feelings. This is so important for us to grab hold of. We are not to be led by our feelings. We are to be led by our Father. Man, we live in a world that is preaching a different message. Do whatever feels right. Do what makes you feel happy. Be led by your feelings. But we are not to be led by our feelings. Our feelings don't always lead us down the right path. Our feelings don't always lead us into God's perfect will. But the Father does. And so we're not to be led by our feelings. We are to be led by our Father. Ultimately, at the end of the day, regardless of what God's answer might be, His plan is always going to be better. His purposes for our life are always going to be better. Even if we don't understand in the moment, God's plan and God's purposes are always going to be better. And so just as Jesus laid his heart open and honest before God and then submitted to the Father's will, when we pray, we can be open and honest with God. We can take our feelings to the Lord. But when we pray, the best thing that we can do is to submit to the Father's will, to say, not what I will, but what you will. And can I just tell you, even in the most difficult of times, there is an immense peace that we experience when we recognize that we are in the Father's will when we recognize that we are walking in obedience to him, when we recognize that, that he's in control, when we recognize we're in his will, even when things are difficult, we can still experience peace. And my prayer for you today is that you would experience this peace as you simply begin to have these open and honest, not fancy, not formal, just conversations with God each and every day. But maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I don't really have a prayer life because I'm not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. So for you today, I would offer you the first prayer you need to pray, the most important prayer that you can pray. It's not simply a prayer of conversation, it's a prayer of confession. And that confession is, Jesus, you are Lord and if you've never made that confession today, then I would invite you to make that confession this morning. Jesus, you are Lord. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. 
And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond to the Lord today. We've already celebrated and remembered His sacrifice for us. But if you have never submitted your life to the Lord, recognizing what Jesus did for you, turning your sins over to you, if you've never recognized that Jesus bore the fullness of the Father's wrath so that you wouldn't have to, but today you're ready to submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. Today you're ready to receive that freedom. Today you're ready to receive that righteousness. Today you're ready to receive what only Jesus can give you. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond this morning as we sing. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can join me down here. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you and celebrate new life in Christ today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. Listen, we don't believe that the Lord's Supper saves us and we don't believe that the the baptism saves us. But we do believe that both of these things are something that God has called us to do as believers. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that next step of baptism, I would invite you to respond as well. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Let's have a conversation with God together this morning. Let's make that commitment for baptism today. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already, and I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale, and I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to come and be on mission with this church body. If that's you, then I would invite you to come as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now, and let's have a conversation with God together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.